Bible Hacks, audience relevance. Prepare to have your mind blown. Let's get started. Welcome, Abbaology Insiders. I'm Jake Stringer, your host and founder of the Abbaology Movement. The purpose of Abbaology is to transition people from judicial, legal, fear-based, and courtroom concepts of God into a loving, familial experience of Him. This is your home for free Abbaology content. Check out Abbaology.net for more, including an eight-minute-long detailed month-by-month breakdown of our Insider Intensive, which is a six-month, one-subject-per-month Bible school taking place inside of a closed Facebook group that begins August 10th. I'm going to assume that you're hungry, that you're ready, and you don't want me to hold back. So let's journey from theology to Abbaology together. Audience relevance. Have you ever heard that term? Maybe you have. I hope you have. I hadn't heard it until 2014. And the first time I heard the term was when I was on my journey changing my eschatology or my beliefs about the last things or the last days that the Bible talks about. In our Abbaology Bible School that launches its online Go to abology.net to learn more about that, but we have a whole month on eschatology. I grew up under a pre-tribulation rapture teaching, which, you know, the rapture would happen secretly, meaning at any second it could happen, and every year it was the rapture's happening soon, Jesus is coming back soon, and we all lived in fear, and I would go to sleep trying to remember all my sins, because if they told us if we died with unconfessed sin, we'd get left behind in the rapture. My parents had the left behind books. I watched a couple of the movies. You know, most of American Christianity was caught up in that whole storm, and we thought it was the truth. Um, But something happened with me when I read Hebrews chapter 1 one day that caused me to begin to study that out, to make sure it was so. If you're listening to this, if I could communicate anything to you, it would be be a Berean, excavate, evaluate all the things you currently believe about God and study them out yourself. Don't blindly believe. As you do this, your walk becomes your own and you actually grow stronger and more confident in your faith and what you believe about yourself and what you believe about God, it ceases to be only secondhand from a middleman or a middlewoman, a pastor or a priest or something like that. So I heard this term audience relevance and simply put, it is when we're reading the Bible, who is the intended audience the writer is writing to and what was the relevance of what the writer is saying to them at that time. Let me focus on that phrase, at that time. Our New Testament was written between A.D. 30 and A.D. 70, okay? After the crucifixion, but before the temple was destroyed. We weren't taught very much in church about how important that temple in Jerusalem was to the, to the Old Covenant Jews that Jesus is ministering to in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the crucifixion made that Old Covenant obsolete, as Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 says. 
But that temple still stood until AD 70. And during those 40 years, there was a covenantal transition happening. So we're reading the New Testament in 2020, and when we don't know audience relevance, we're reading ourselves into situations that were their situations and not ours. So I want to give you just a practical example of this, and this is the whole first month of the online Bible school that starts August 10th. So I just want to give you all a taste of this and invite you to pray about joining that Bible school. It does cost money, but I'm telling you, your life will be changed. I say that confidently. I've had to grow a lot just to charge for it, but I've made peace with it in my heart. It is going to be so worth it for you, and you'll be able to journey with other people in the, in the closed Facebook group Bible study environment. If you haven't been to abbaology.net, go there and watch the eight-minute detailed video of what every month is. But the first month is a bunch of Bible hacks, and audience relevance is one of them. If, uh, last week, I did a podcast on context, another Bible hack. Seems obvious, I know, but most Christians read the Bible out of context with no concept of audience relevance. So I want to read just one passage today, and I'm going to start in uh, verse 1 of Romans chapter 7, and it says, this is Paul writing, so just listen to me slowly, okay, and remember what we're keeping in mind is who Paul is intending to read this letter as he's writing it, and what the relevance of what he's saying would have been to them then, at the time they receive the letter, immediate relevance to them. So take yourself out of it as an American or wherever you are in the year 2020. He says in verse 1 of chapter 7 of Romans, Or do you not know, brothers, for, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives, For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive, but if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another or another husband, to him who has been raised from the dead, this is talking about the resurrection, in order that we may bear fruit to God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. He goes on to say later, I had not have known sin except for the commandment came. It's like a simple analogy of, you know, the western part of Colorado, the speed limit actually goes away uh, for like 100 miles. So if you want to drive 130, you can. There is no law present telling you that going 130 is a sin. But what you realize when the law is removed is you finally learn for yourself what is wise. (laughs) So... I mean, I remember driving to, uh, I think it's called Black Valley down in the southwest of Colorado. That speed limit left, and I'm doing 115. And it was fun for a little bit, but then I realized, you know what? 
even though there's not a speed limit here, a law telling me that I'm sinning by doing 35 over, this isn't wise for me. <laughs> so when the law is removed, you can actually grow up and come to some of your own conclusions. But let me uh, slow down here. So look at verse one. Let's break it down. For I am speaking to those who know the law. Now, who is that? Is that you or me? No, it's not. Remember, audience relevance. Those who know the law were the first century Jewish people in Rome that this section of Romans is addressed to. Okay? You've never been under the law. No one's been under the law for nearly 2,000 years. That covenant was made obsolete at the cross, and then, of course, in AD 70, the temple was done away with, which you can historically uh, verify. Uh, You can Google destruction of the temple in AD 70, read the writings of uh, a Jewish historian named Josephus, um, who was an unbiased historian. He was not a Christ believer and he documented all those things that happened, please verify that. So the temple was flattened. So even if they wanted to practice Old Covenant Judaism, which involved you know offerings and sacrifices of bulls and goats and doves, etc., they couldn't because there was no temple at which to do that, which forced people into the new covenant. So he says, I speak to those who know the law. That's the Jewish people. Okay, and he says, so the law is binding on a person as long as that person is alive. And then he makes a marriage analogy for a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if he dies, she's released from that bond of marriage. So he's saying not you were married to the law. You've never been married to the law, but those people were married to the law. But in the crucifixion, the law was died away by Jesus. So the Jewish people were freed from their marriage to the Mosaic Covenant and were now free to remarry. So this passage is talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. So it says, for a married woman is bound to the law. In other words, the Jewish people were bound to the Mosaic Covenant until the crucifixion, at which point Jesus died the law away with its handwritings and ordinances, which were contrary to them. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, it says that uh, in Ephesians 2, it says that Christ abolished the law and made of the two one new man. Of Jew and Gentile, now there is one new humanity. No Jew or Gentile, no bond or free, no male, female. He made one. So in Romans 7, they are now free to remarry, not you. The Jewish people in the first century are free to remarry Christ because he died Moses away, prophetically speaking. He died the old covenant away, and when he rose up, now they're free to marry Christ. So Moses was this abusive husband, and Jesus died him away. And then when he rose again, now they're free to remarry because their husband died. Now they're not an adulteress or an adulterer if they marry Christ. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. So we just talked about that. Likewise, just like that, my brothers. Now who are his brothers? 
the Jewish people. Paul was a Jewish man with Roman citizenship. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe his parents were were slaves of a wealthy Roman family. And so when Paul was born, he actually had Roman citizenship, even though his parents were Jewish. So that was very advantageous to him in his ministry. So now it says, you may belong to another. So audience relevance, he's telling the Jewish people, look guys, you may not get this, but when Jesus died, he died the law, your law husband away. And now, just as like under the old covenant, under the old covenant, if your actual husband died, you were then free to remarry. If you married another while your husband was still alive, you're an adulteress. But Moses is dead. The law covenant has been died away in the crucifixion. And after the resurrection, they are free to remarry another. So he's imploring them to marry Christ. So it says in verse 5, while we, so who's we? Paul and his brothers, not you and me. We're obviously his brother in Christ now, but he's talking about his brethren according to the flesh who were Jewish people. So in Romans chapter 9, he says, I'd speak to to Jews, my brethren according to the flesh. So he says, while we as in Paul and other Jews who had to live under the old covenant were living in the flesh. That word flesh speaks of old covenant. You could even say for while we were living under the old covenant, under all those commandments, our sinful passions, which are aroused by the law. Grace does not arouse sinful passions. Law does. We're at work in our members to bear the fruit for death. Remember, Paul said that the law was the ministration of death written on stones. 1 Corinthians 15.56 says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So in the, in the crucifixion, Jesus not, first of all, Jesus took away sin, but in the crucifixion, he took away that which perpetuated sin, which was the law. And when he rose again, Now there's only one covenant. There's the new covenant at that time. And remember in Abbaology, we talk about how even the new covenant is a launching pad. This is it. Let me leave you with this radical thought. You've never been under either covenant. (laughs) You are a son or a daughter. But as you're transitioning theologically, uh, if you know, you have to kind of knock these things off one by one and go through the through the through the bible and work through it so that then you can see oh my gosh how loving and patient is god and holy spirit walking me through all these theological transitions to get me to where get ready i've always been just wasn't fully aware so remember when you're reading we us you Ask yourself, okay, who is this writer writing to? Who's the intended audience? What would it have meant to them at that time? Then you begin to get the interpretation of a passage, and you can ask yourself questions, well, well, could I apply this to me? Sometimes you can, sometimes absolutely don't. So we can do another podcast on that. God bless you guys. Mm-hmm.